Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music here. I'm your host, Hillary Jones. So, Happy New Year. Uh, it's been a minute since we've had an episode, so I'm glad to be back here. Uh, the saga of my basement continues, but it's almost done, which is great. Uh, our friend Rick helped us get the drywall up, and my partner Brian has been putting the finishing touches on it. But it's a it's a really big project, and it's still in the works. So so that's why you might notice a little different sound quality in the intro and the outro today. I'm in a different room with a different mic. Uh, the basement is still you know pretty torn apart, but we're slowly getting it back together. Hopefully by the next episode, we'll be back in business for both the podcast and for any other related <laughs> guitar videos. Um, so yeah, so in the interim, I've been mostly playing guitar in my bedroom uh, through my Walrus ACS-1, which I got for Christmas, which was a Christmas gift. And that was very useful. It's been basically like perfect for my needs right now. I've been able to do some you know, like a lot of practicing. Um, and the, it's been pretty inspiring, actually. Uh, and it's led me to really kind of play more, which has been really fun. And my most recent video features that pedal with the Calico Effects Sun Manor, which is a sun preamp pedal. And, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like those things should work together. But for me, and like the sound that I like, that's it's they're really just perfect. Um, it's great. And in other news, I'm in the process of putting together an online course targeted toward music retailers. And, you know, through the podcast and the gender music year survey, it's become really clear that, you know, that folks treatment in those spaces have been a real barrier in, you know, their experience as a musician. And I'd like to try and figure out a way to change that. I, you know, I, I love music retail spaces and you know i think it's really important for folks to have the opportunity to you know have community in those spaces and i think that you know if it, there's there's a way to do it and i just i want i want them to succeed i don't want the internet to take over forever um even though it is useful for a lot of things i think that getting to interact with folks is great as well uh in those spaces so uh, if you are a retailer and you have ideas about content, length, anything else related to that, please reach out to me. I'd definitely love to talk to you about it. Um, yeah, that'd be great. All right. So today's guest is Ellis Hahn, who is a luthier extraordinaire at the helm of LEH Guitars. And as a former music store employee, a longtime builder at Sadowski uh, Bases, Ellis has like a lot of insight in, into, you know, the, the process of building bases, building a company, and as it turns out, empathy in music gear. And uh, we, yeah, we just had like a really fun conversation. As I listened back, there was a lot of like actual laughing uh, <laughs> out loud. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, and then after that, uh, stick around and I'll cover the quote-unquote right time for change. But first, let's hear about this episode's fabulous sponsors. So I mentioned last time that I recently got the uh, Earthquaker devices, Hizamitas and Plumes, which I am really just dying to use at band practice, but with COVID and the holidays, they keep getting canceled and I haven't been able to do that, but I promise to report back when that happens. 
Luckily, you don't need to hear me play or talk about anything because <laughs> uh, this Mitas uh, was recently featured in a video uh, on Earth Earthquakers page featuring Nick Reinhardt, who did a really cool overview of the pedal and talked a bit about his experience touring with Wada and Boris as well. Another recent piece uh, Earthquaker shared was a feature with Emily Retzis, who is a bass player who's played with Kim Gordon, Phoebe Bridgers, and a bunch more. Uh, definitely check all that out. You can do so at EarthquakerDevices.com for more. Up next, we have Stompbox Sonic. Stompbox Sonic provides musicians with an extensive tonal palette for auditory exploration. Specializing in effects pedals, they offer a curated collection of companies, large and small, some locally crafted and some assembled from around the world. Adam and Jen have been helping musician and sound-based artists find their sound since 2009. By working collaboratively through one-on-one -on -one consultations, they do more than sell you a pedal. They ignite the creative spark that brings music to your life. They create a comfortable, judgment-free environment for all musicians where sonic experimentation is encouraged. And whether you play guitar, bass, trumpet, harp, Rhodes, circuit bend, speak it spell, Stompex Sonic will work with you to find the right effects to fit your project. Check out stompboxonic.com for more. They're the best. Last but not least, thanks to Holcomb Guitars. So Nick Holcomb um, just builds beautiful, beautiful custom guitars to your exact specifications and also has a mobile repair setup, which is awesome. Um, he has recently done some more work for me and, you know, just came right to my house, picked up my guitar, took it away, did what needed to be done, came back. It was, you know, in great shape. He's currently uh, putting on a, a Bigsby on a telly for me. I'm very excited about that as well. Um, and he's very much in line values wise with uh, me and probably with you if you're listening to the podcast. So uh, definitely check out his work, get yourself a cool guitar, uh, get your guitar fixed, do what needs to be done. All right, with that, let's get into my interview with Ellis. Ellis, welcome to Midriff. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Super stoked to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! You and your dog. I'm, yes. I mean, I'm excited about both of you. You know, I'm not going to say which one I'm more excited about, but uh, it's, okay. it's you. She is. But that dog is pretty dang cute. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. I mean, for people, you're number one. For dogs, <laughs> yeah, she's, you, you, know how, she's you know how it goes. Pretty perfect dog arena. <laughs> Everyone go to <laughs> Instagram to see Ellis's dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So for folks who might not be familiar with you or your dog, <laughs> yes. can you share your name, your pronouns, a little bit about yourself and your background with music? Awesome. So uh, my name is Ellis Han. Pronouns are they, them, or just Ellis, because I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, my background with music, I mean, my current, my foreground, I guess, is I make electric basses and guitars. Uh, mostly electric basses, sometimes a guitar, but my main focus the past like several years has been electric bass and my background with music is, I don't know, I've been playing since since 94, been actually like picked up and got my first guitar lesson in 94. So yeah, yeah I'm kind of all over the place. Wait, how old are you? Oh, <laughs> I'm 41. I'll, I'll share my age because I 
I'm also 41. See, there you go. see, I, which when did I you also pick started up when I was guitar. 14. That's oh, why I was yeah, asking. Yeah, it's, I think it's a when good, I was 14. Yeah. Same year. You just mad yep. at high school and you <laughs> learn your power chords and it just yeah. goes from there. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, so did you start with guitar or bass or how did that all? I started with guitar. I mean, I played had like an audition for being in a band early 2000, like maybe 2001 for, as a bassist, mm -hmm. but didn't get the gig. Oh my gosh. <laughs> didn't actually really start playing guitar. Oh, uh, that's okay. It was, it was cool, but like, I wasn't, I was more of a, you know what? You're player. too good for them. Yeah. You're too good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Just was hitting that root note. That was about all I could do. <laughs> yes. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I've gotten a little better, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I started playing bass probably in, shoot, like 2005 or so, because I started building them, seriously, and then had to really, mm -hmm. it's hard to, to interact <laughs> with an instrument that you're building and, like, know if you've done a good job unless you know what you're doing with it, for me, anyway. Like, that's my Yeah, process. that makes sense. No. So, yeah. Yeah. And plus, also, I remember, like, plugging in a bass uh, that I had first built, um, in front of, it was like, geez, it was either, it was probably about six tens. So it was like a four ten and a two ten, and like standing in front yep. of it and just hitting that low E. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I should be playing this Ooh, instrument. I get it. <laughs> yes, this is amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It feels so good. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is what it's all about. Yep. Mm, I just needed more speakers. <laughs> I probably would have gotten the gig before if I had more was... speakers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's the answer for everything. Oh yeah, pretty much, more right? Speakers. Just more speakers. <laughs> so, did you and were you playing in bands then, like in high school at all, as a guitarist, or was that, or did you just kind of like was more you're just kind of playing by yourself? Uh, mostly just playing by myself. I mm -hmm. think not until not until I moved to New York. So that was uh, in Ch in Chicago was. Like I was actually like started gigging for the first time when I lived okay. in Chicago, and then I started playing in bands when I moved to New York. So got yeah. it, got it. Yeah. yeah. Thank so you. <laughs> did you then like when you started playing? Were you taking lessons, or was that like kind of self-taught? Or I I started taking lessons. I maybe took lessons for for like six months max. I just didn't like the guy okay. teaching me. I did, and <laughs> so then I started teaching myself. Because also 94, right? So then you're starting to get the internet. I discovered mm -hmm. what tablature was and that you can find it online. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, I don't need this guy. He's just like trying to transcribe <laughs> a Pearl Jam song. Like I can go online and learn whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like a magical world. Yeah. You can go on and there's six lines and you just put your fingers where the number is and you do this. Yeah. Tablature. Like it really—it was all there. It was all there. <laughs> so, so as far as like, so you, so you obviously kind of started getting into becoming a luthier a little bit later. Later, can you talk a little bit about like your f first gear? Like, what was what was some of your early gear in your gear journey? Oh goodness, I don't think I was really that much into gear until after. I guess after I started working in a guitar shop and like, understand. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I just. I started working in a guitar shop because I tend to like have a, a very problem solving brain in general. So when there was something mm -hmm. wrong with my guitar and you know, the idiot at the guitar shop didn't do a very good job fixing it or didn't like fix it how I asked it to be fixed, you know, mm -hmm. I bought a book and then I figured it out. 
So it wasn't until like I was figuring go. out and kind of deep diving as far as like, a, oh, how does this work that I, I get into a lot of things. Like I think half yeah. the pedals on my pedal board, like I, I built or most of the, you know, a lot of my oh, gear, cool. almost all my gear I, I use, I, I make. And it's more like an inspiration of like, how do I make this sound? And I don't know, I think I go at it a different way. <laughs> than most people who are like is it a process where you want to is it because you want to learn it to like master it or is it because you're like this thing that i found doesn't do what i want it to do and i'm gonna make something so that it will i think both and then i think the cool thing is when as i've gotten older i realized well maybe i can't make the best fill in the blank and then i started getting really into like who makes the best fill in the blank like i think it's super mm -hmm. cool that one of mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. uh sponsors is earthquakers because that's the mm -hmm. Good, like the pedal company that I was like, well, you know what? I'm not going to make any more pedals because <laughs> like this, how could I like, what's the point? <laughs> you know, what do I have to contribute to this yeah, lexicon? If, they like, got it dialed. They have a rainbow machine. <laughs> it makes rainbows right. out yeah, of like, your guitar signal. Your brain is like, what? your brain just starts exploding and yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, boop, 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 boop. I remember the first time I tried a rainbow machine, I was just like, what is happening? This is a wild, wild world. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's one of my all time yeah. favorite pedals. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about what your current gear is then, because oh. you said you have all the, you're, you're, you built most of it and yes. you have a board. So like, what do you, what do you usually play with right now? Mm, I mean, honestly, right now, are you I've, playing in a band right now or I'm just, I haven't, okay. I've been playing in a band for the last three years, maybe. Okay. And, uh, right now I'm just kind of, I know, during the pandemic, I downloaded Ableton and I started doing that and kind of Ooh, doing little yeah. loops and getting weird there. Mm -hmm. But my gear right now is just an LEH bass and um, mm -hmm. I should be plugging that, by the way. I make LEH basses. <laughs> like, I don't think I've said the word. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. We didn't even say that. Yet. That yes. was part of your description. Darn. <laughs> but yeah, they're LEH basses. Not I just promise basses. it will. I pr Yes. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> anyway, so I, I, I play my... We will certainly be uh, discussing that. It's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, my, fa my main gig is our gear right now is an LEH just direct into... I'm um, sorry, behind me, so I keep forgetting I'm on a podcast. Behind me, everyone, if you look behind <laughs> me, I've got a Gensler yes. uh, Magellan into a... I think it's just a 110 Ooh. or 112. Honestly, I should know that. But, oh, cool. Little yeah, buddy. Little guy. Little guy. Because, uh, you know. That's adorable. <laughs> it is. It's a little cutie. <laughs> but it's it's uh, it's pretty powerful. <laughs> right next to the cute dog. Uh, it's like a wall of cute back there. Can't handle it. <laughs> it's pretty good. Good thing that the, you know, the listeners can't see it because they would be overwhelmed. It'd be a little much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what, what do you do for, uh, for a board and so it, i can't see it oh it's a, you're a little pixelated is that a five back yeah there? that's a five i is that the five yeah, yeah. yes i still okay. don't quite feel super confident on a b string but it is a lot of fun and sometimes that bass gets strung up as a not really a six string but a six string so low e to a high c oh without the without the confusing b string yeah. <laughs> yes oh. cool so for your pedal board then what do you what's your what is your current situation um a little bit in shambles so i just moved across the country a lot of my gear is all over the place but right uh, i guess last time it was all together i had a essentially a clone of a, a marshall governor that i really liked a lot um oh, just cool. kind of like a little, little mm -hmm. bit of dirt on the bottom um and then just pedals for fun did you so, make that or was it one that you 
bought. That's something I made. Can't remember the whole cool like lineage or anything I did in particular different. I think I just played with the different chips or something like that. It's been a while. Okay, but I like that pedal. Cool. It's got a mid, which is kind of fun for poking out of the mix a little bit. A plus, especially if you've got Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. uh, dirt, right? So it gets a little inarticulate, and bass itself can be a little inarticulate. So this little helps clean it up a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you've got a rainbow machine. I'm not sure whether you're actually using a rainbow machine, but oh, I uh, use it. So governor rainbow machine, maybe irritating people I'm playing with mostly. But it's uh, or by myself <laughs> <laughs> because they've all gone away. Fair. Because I'm playing That's with the rainbow fair. machine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm sorry you guys can't handle it. It's just me and the rainbow. <laughs> um, that one, I, it's true. Uh, that and Afterneath and. Um, yeah, I think that's basically. I think I have a. Sometimes I throw in. There, I have a Proco Rat, but it's the, um, mm-hmm. the extra distorted one. I forget what it was called. Like probably the Distortion Plus or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever uh, that is. Like Super Rat. I don't even. Something know. like I that. Know Tur- oh, it's, I think I it's a Turbo. Turbo Rat. Yeah. Turbo. You're right. Yes. yes. Super Ultra yes. Mega Rat. I yeah. don't know. I saw. I saw that <laughs> yeah. on a like a Sonic Youth pedal board. And I was like, oh, I'll get that one. Perfect. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's the one for me. Yes. Cool. <laughs> I've never used an afterneath on bass, but that sounds like it would be huge. It gets really weird really fast. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I am a big fan. I'm a big proponent of reverb on bass. I know a lot of people hate it, but I think it's great. <laughs> There's also, uh, what is it? The Disaster Transporter Senior has been on and off the board, too. Because mm. that's got the, is nice. that the Senior, the nice. ones that's I, got the I, reverb? I, yeah. So, so let's scoot in a little bit more and talk about your actual, like your, your, uh, building journey, sure. which I know you've talked about elsewhere, so you don't have to go into like super detail, but you know, however, however you want to describe that process for folks or how you got there. How I got there. <laughs> how did you get here? Well, where did you start? I don't know. I, um, <laughs> I guess I started, uh, well, so I guess I got into, uh, building after getting into repairs so i got i was originally mm-hmm. uh my first apprenticeship was to do repair work yeah. and then that guy that i uh, that i apprenticed with he did a little bit of building i thought that was really interesting because again like i don't know like i, I like to make things as <laughs> so yeah. you can make it i'm in so uh that kind of fascinated me and i wanted to also have a an instrument like after i left that apprenticeship i wanted to make an instrument or like have something i could show like i, I started putting together a mm-hmm. uh like a portfolio of photos of repairs that i did but that's not i don't know to like show up and get a, a job elsewhere so i was like well what would right. be the best thing in my resume or my best thing in my portfolio is i just make this instrument so after i stopped mm-hmm. working for the at, at that guitar shop um, and before I got my next job, I just made a uh, Strat copy on my kitchen table, essentially. A lot of dust. <laughs> wasn't great. On <laughs> your on your kitchen table or from your kitchen table? <laughs> on it. It was like a glass top <laughs> kitchen table. Yeah, okay. Well, you I'm glad you didn't make a glass guitar on either. Strat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yes. Uh, it definitely cracked. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> oh no That's well fine. you know it looked good yeah so I, I made that and it was kind of really cool because that was the first like guitar i ever put my name on like mm-hmm. and i was i spent the whole time just doing this copy and trying to replicate this you know and i spent quite a long time i was 
literally on the kitchen table. So it's a lot of a lot of stuff by hand, not the <laughs> not a bunch of the power tools mm-hmm. that I'm used to having mm-hmm. right now. And <laughs> you know, like you're working on something, you're copying, but the whole time you you're kind of also wondering like, what if, you know? So then. I think the guitar I built after that was a, was a telecopy too. Cause I, I also, there was a certain point of like, do I have, I like want to hone my skills so I can at least like copy and do something like baseline. So telly. Right. <laughs> and, uh, then I started doing my own, own designs. I don't think I've done. Yeah. Everything else with my name on it has been exactly like something that I had in my head and I kind of got it out of there and then made some, made some noise with it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you were doing building for a long time with another company mm-hmm. and then eventually you ended up going kind of independent. Mm-hmm. And so like, what's that f- feel like, I guess, like how, how long have you been doing that for, I guess, is one of my first question. And then doing the, what's the that? independent thing. How, what's the difference? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so I've always honestly, like since the kitchen table, you know, I think that was, yeah, oh, gosh, uh, 2004 ish. Since then, I've okay. always been building my own instruments, whether, yeah. you know, it was, it was mostly just to, to play in bands and to make my own music with. And then occasionally, yeah. like, someone would ask me to build them something, but it's been really cool. I think around 2018, well, 2012, actually, was when I decided, all right, I'm going to come up with a serious name. <laughs> Can I actually, like, have something mm-hmm. proper on the headstock? Yep. I've definitely built instruments that just yep. had, like... A cool picture on the headstock instead of you know what is this thing? yeah so I, <laughs> <laughs> the 2012 was when I, I like you know bought the domain lehguitars.com which is also a good plug <laughs> and then got Ew. serious <laughs> and got serious about you know okay these are all going to be leh's not going to be like a funny picture or like some weird wacky one-off look i'm going right. to start like this is a design that i can make multiple times you know like templated my things and yep yeah, so around 2012. So I only uh, this past year went full time. Previously, yes, I was I was working for another builder while I was doing this. You know, like a got it part time passion project yes. kind of thing. I think that's a fairly standard transition for folks, yeah. right? Yeah. And <laughs> like you know, get the training wheels, take the training wheels off, and then it's and then you have this thing that you can kind of really saddle into. I don't know if that's even the right word, but like. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, you can, like, like yeah. this is, this thing is mine. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also a certain amount of like time you want to put in the learning what you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So for my, my previous uh, employer was Sadowski guitars. So I spent mm-hmm. while I was a builder there, I spent time just like repeatedly building almost the same, not the same, but like, you know, there's a certain number of models and there's different options, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, yep. you're, they're very similar. And so you're building not the same thing over and over again, but kind of. And then the cool thing Stand, in that... Like a similar Yeah, yeah. You know, you're building the basic five models mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, infinite possibilities, but still the same same instruments. And the cool thing about that is is you can get focused in the minutiae. So like, all right, I'm building this thing. Mm-hmm. I've built a similar thing, you know, a hundred times. But this time I'm going to try this like tiny little nuance. And then Ooh, like, yeah. what did that do? And then, like, keep trying, like, little micro changes. It's still the same instrument. I haven't changed the instrument, but what yep. have I done? I've changed how I do this process, or I've changed how this fit in based on, like, the last hundred went this way. What if I do this? Maybe it'll go better, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I spent, spent a long time in the nuances, and that's kind of 
I don't know. That I think that it took me a long time to to come up with like something I wanted to put my name on and repeat. Because like I guess if we said two thousand five or so, two thousand four, then two thousand twelve. Mm. That's kind of a long time. But it's it's in doing that repetition. It's a yeah, <laughs> that nuance. Like you mm-hmm. know, you get your ten thousand hours <laughs> or whatever you're supposed to get, and uh, then you can feel like yeah, I'll yeah. put my name on this like idea yeah. based out of all the thousands or hundreds of instruments that I've I've worked on before. So I felt like, all right, I can put my name on It's like you right. nuanced your way into <laughs> Just, into your own company. Some people say, <laughs> yes, I nuanced my way into my own company. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, here we are. Oh, here we are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's cool because it is, it's sort of like a little, uh, every single little nuance adjustment is like a pilot to some degree, right? Because it's like you got this baseline from doing it a hundred times, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and um, then you you're to able see. to. It's, it's like a little. Yeah, and then also like able to like when you've got like all right, I made this tiny micro change or not so tiny, but you made this change, or then you can you know kind of hone in on the differences between certain instruments, and then if you're talking to a player who's like, you know, uh, I wish the my right hand felt you know stiffer when I dig in, or you notice that they're digging in and they mm-hmm. might not even be able to articulate it. They don't say like. Oh, this mm-hmm. feels floppy, but you know they've got a very heavy like right hand or something like that. You maybe will adjust mm-hmm. like you can adjust the neck pitch, for instance, to enable that to feel tighter. Yeah. And if you adjust the neck pitch and the depth at the same time, you're not actually having the saddles raised mm-hmm. up to the sky, but the stiffness is still there. Right. So stuff like that. It's kind of fun. Yeah. 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 My my partner is a custom bicycle oh, awesome. builder, nice. and. So I think a lot about the similarities. I've talked about this here a little bit, but yeah. like the the similarities between the two is like making those like slight adjustments for somebody, like depending on how like whatever angle like they feel comfortable with. Yeah, and, no, I mean know, everyone's legs are slightly different. Yeah, totally. Like yeah, the ergonomics mm-hmm. of a bike are very personal, just like the ergonomics of an instrument for sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. So, so when you're interacting with somebody, like when a customer comes to you, what does that process look like? So I'm assuming most, a lot of folks that you're working with are not actually local. So you're not going to get necessarily to see that. It's true. Up close. So how do you, how do you evaluate that? Well, I mean, there's also like a baseline, you know, usually the, sure, yeah, (laughs) you know, like this is essentially what (laughs) I think is the great way for a base to feel in this NB. Yeah. I feel like, by the time someone's come to me to have a custom base built, they also kind of know. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they have got an idea yeah. like or a problem usually with something that they've been playing. Like, I really love my mm-hmm. Fender fill in the blank, but oh, I can't mm-hmm. do this with it or it doesn't feel comfortable or after 12 hours of <laughs> practice or I don't right. think you practice for 12 hours straight, but maybe you can. That's a lot. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Work up to it. Don't, Yikes. don't start there. <laughs> nope. Yeah, no, they come to me with, like, a problem with something that's, you know, and then from there I get into it, like, oh, okay, this is is the solution, sort of, where I can build with that in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, much in the way that you would do with, like, a repair, you know, but you're building something fresh that's not a fixed version of their thing that didn't quite work, but you're able to, like, from the ground, just, like, here's your no-problem space. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I like the no problem space. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your main model is, is uh, your offset model, right? Mm-hmm. 
and you do uh, four and a five string version of that. Correct. Right? Correct. And um, I mean, I'm I'm, tr- I'm working so you, on other things, but that's what I currently have. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's the body shape is cool. Like it is, it is like kind of offset, like almost in the way of like for folks who haven't seen it and you're just listening. Mm-hmm. It is like it's got a little bit of offset kind of style. I it reminds me almost of like a Fender bass six or something like that. Oh, Does cool. that seem accurate to you for somebody who maybe hasn't? I, I don't know if that's like right. Like but a, that, when I like see a, it, that's kind of what the body. Yeah. No, I mean, it's also like, if that's what it looks like to you, that's totally fine by me. I've kind of was started at a, <laughs> you know, it's fine. <laughs> the, I started with like more of a Jaguar. It looks like a flying V. Is that right? I mean, well, that's what you see. <laughs> but maybe I need to work on my design a little bit. It's an offset flying V. It's fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh gosh. I wonder what that would look like. <laughs> You've got some work to do. I just been saying. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's like a Jaguar anyway. Mustang thing. Yeah. But the, totally. The, yes. Yeah. The, I think the, I mean, the, the just the larger scale size of it is what, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Totally. Well, I, I mean, when I started drawing it up, why. my idea was to do a 34 and a lot of the offset instruments are uh, uh, short scale, but I just, I'm not yes. super in love with the sound of a short scale. Mm-hmm. However, I've heard so many people pull it off really well. But the nuances I had been training for were all on 34. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's so fair. Like, they, they, they might have spent much more time putting in, you know, figuring out how to do a 30 or less, make, you know, make that sound amazing. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. So I started with a 34 and I love offset mm-hmm. designs just in general. And I kind of, I took that baseline and I offset it even more. Like I, I scooted mm-hmm. where it sits on your lap or on your knee a little bit more. And I uh, tweaked out mm-hmm. like the horn a little bit with like the idea of it sitting, uh, you know, resting further behind your leg when you're playing so that less, mm-hmm. less of the neck is sitting in your hand. And then also, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and then with the, the, the weight reduction too, cause I, I, I want them to be a certain, non-boat anchor weight. I do a weight yeah. reduction only in the, the front, kind of by the neck, not in the back. A lot of times people weight redu- so reduce smart. the whole thing. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> I didn't want yeah. it to, yeah. another, like, you know, you, you've got this great design and it should balance. If it was like a solid piece of wood, then you weight reduce it. And then the neck becomes, of course, you can't weight reduce the neck, the most solid mass of wood. That seems like a challenge. <laughs> a little tricky. So then, you know, it's, it's, it's also then you want to offset the body a little bit more and only weight reduce the front half. And then I also did like a, a thing where I balanced it. So when it's sitting on a strap, so it, it mm-hmm. kind of almost stays in playing position without you fighting it. Um, mm. some, some, some instruments do. You'll pick some off yeah. yourself and you'll be like, this is great. But it's like the combination of the different wood weights or something. Or it, like it's usually like a... Yes. If the design isn't focused on that, then it's a happy accident, you know? So, right. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, if some people are asked, or there's often a question that people, oh, you know, why are the, you know, vintage instruments so much better than today's instruments? Well, the good ones are the ones that are around, the happy accidents, et cetera. Like, it's, it's not that, oh, uh, yeah. it's, uh, you know, a P bass that was made in, you know, 60s or 50s or whatever is like so much better than this pea base you're making now there is you know something to like aged wood etc and like lots of mm-hmm. vibrations going through the instrument etc but like you know maybe the balance and everything about it like was kismet and the bad one 
someone yes. sold at a pawn shop or like their kid parted out or whatever. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is trash. And they threw it in the trash. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, garbage. <laughs> garbage. Oh, this man. is how I feel about you. Face. Uh, um, <laughs> well, Thanks so where do, where, you have a, a lot of. Yes, I just I wanted to be clear. I'm not talking about you. I'm at the base. <laughs> so you have a lot of like really beautiful like figured woods. Can you talk a little bit about your sourcing and like what how you select the the pieces that you that you use for your um, tops? I I kind of pick what I like the best, which I'm I'm mm-hmm. starting to realize more and more is is also the hardest. Like I love a burled top, which usually has voids. Mm-hmm. And those voids get mm. like filled in. Takes me hours of like, yeah, probably definitely hours when it's all said and done. I try not to keep track of those sort of things because then it's like, well, what are you doing with your life? You're just <laughs> why am filling, I doing this? Yeah. Filling your <laughs> holes of voids with different other pieces of wood and getting that perfect match. But yeah, it takes Whoa. takes hours of, of making that look nice. But it's also just looks so yeah. cool. Yeah. What I what I've been doing is trying to find like a billet of that wood. And then, you know, resign mm-hmm. it. So then I have like different successive cuts. So when someone asks me like, oh, I saw this based. Oh, can I have one just like it or a top just like it? Then it's mm. like, yes. <laughs> because what is so Actually, unique. yes. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's hard to get, you know, find two pieces that look exactly the same ever. Because it's organic. Mm-hmm. It's a tree. It does right. what it does. Especially those weird figured woods. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I kind of get weird. them from all over. Yeah, even eBay. Whatever. Cool. Yeah. What? Wow. I mean, if you could get a cool uh, billet of wood on do? eBay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for five strings, I have a question about five strings. So you mm-hmm. said that you don't play them a lot, but it seems like you build a lot of them. Is that because you got you just have the skill to build them, and you so you decided to pop into that, or I, you know, I don't play them. I mean, I do, obviously that's I my main base is that five string behind me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. So the reason why I guess I do a lot of them, well, one, I think there's a little bit of a demand for it, you know, and it's just happened to be what people order. Mm-hmm. I think for yeah. the last couple of years, I'm not building anything uh, for my showroom, quote unquote, or for like inventory. I'm just building mm-hmm. for custom orders. So that just happens to be what people yeah. want. And I don't know. It's also, I do like, I, I, my prototype is actually the one behind me. And that's, I started with a five string because it is harder, in my opinion, to build mm-hmm. a five string that you know, feels comfortable like a four, uh, where that low B sounds as good as the E, that's a harder yep. bar. And so once you get a, a design that can yep. handle the five, turning it into a four is a little bit easier. Nothing against anyone who just builds fours, oh, but like, I also like a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I feel like there's, <laughs> there's a thing that can happen where it's like, I feel like sometimes people build a five and it's like, you're like, wow, the neck is so like comfortable, but all the strings are so close to, to each other that I can't actually physically play it. Yeah. Or it's the reverse issue yeah. where it's like the neck is giant, but like I can actually, you know, play things that yeah. don't hit the other strings. That feels like a real science. It's, yeah, it's a hard little, hard mix, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, once you get it right, then it, it feels mm-hmm. like, okay, good. Now we've got a good base point for like what this yeah. instrument can be. Or like this design feels, you know, yes, I can let the world check it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. I guess uh, 
that's with the, I mean, I feel like that it comes to my mind first. That's without even getting into the, like, how do you make a B string not buzz or whatever the thing might be, uh, <laughs> which is, yeah. a, you know, I, I think a whole other issue that comes up for folks, but I have another question, which is like, I guess, who did your logo? Where did your logo come from? Cause it's very cool. Thank you. Thank you. A, uh, <laughs> I, I actually struggle with that because my initials I, were, were kind of like, ah, oh, it just spells out leh, you know, but I, I don't want people to read it that way. <laughs> and I want it to be like L-E-H, but like look interesting. Mm-hmm. So I struggled mm-hmm. with that for a long time. And a former bandmate of mine actually was a, a graphic artist as well. And we were, we were hanging out outside. And uh, it was uh, winter in New York City, and so there was snow. And I was like, oh, do you have any ideas? I just kind of want to come up with something that, you know, it doesn't make it look like leh, but it's like L-E-H mm-hmm. and kind of like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sharp and like kind of matches my aesthetic. And he's like, well, what about this? And he just kind of drew my look with the snow. And I was like, <laughs> my mind was blown. And I said, could Whoa. you please uh, wow. draw that in Illustrator? and send it to me. <laughs> and so yeah, he came up with it out of nowhere casually after my struggling with it forever. Wow. But that kind of loops back. It's <laughs> like my previous thing is like, you can't be the master of everything, be the master of the things you're good at. And, mm-hmm. you know, go to people who are experts in the other things. Like I'm not a great pedal maker, mm-hmm. but I can make a, a good base and, you know, let the logo people do their thing. <laughs> There you go. (laughs) So, yeah. So, and you've got some like kind of unique stuff going on with the electronics of your instruments. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, So the, what I think you're referring to is the faders. That's kind of of one of my first. Who doesn't love a fader? I mean, goodness. They are so fun. (laughs) Yeah. I think one of my first uh, attempts at a unique design had faders. It had faders on the side which that wasn't great placement, but I always, uh, (laughs) I I think I've tried to incorporate faders in so many of my, uh, my builds or even like pedals and stuff. But one, I forget when, but when I was trying to, first thing I was trying to do with the offset when I was coming up with that prototype was figure out exactly like, uh, you know, should it be passive? Should it be active? And if it should be active, what kind of preamp should Mm -hmm. I be using? And uh, what do I want mm-hmm. a preamp to sound like? And while I was thinking about what do I want it to sound like, I was also like thinking about what I want it to feel like. And when I'm thinking about what different frequencies I want to be boosting, so like if you're, you're picking or you're looking through different preamps uh, that you might want to try, they often list mm-hmm. like the frequencies. And in my head, I'm always thinking about, you know, when I'm mixing on any software, you know, whatever your software of choice is, there's yep. usually that parametric EQ that you can play around with. And so... I mean, that's also how preamps work, right? You boost that one point and it's got like a different, you know, f- you know thickness or, or sharpness to that peak, but mm-hmm. it also boosts things below it, kind of like pulling a spaghetti noodle upward or whatever. Um, yeah. And when you've got three knobs, you don't really see that kind of spaghetti noodle. So mm-hmm. I have three faders where when you put them at the different positions on the travel you can kind of almost visually see that spaghetti noodle draped across your your eq right so that's one of my favorite things about the electronics is the that old is super spaghetti cool. noodle fader thing plus ah the nudes. it just feels cool the, right <laughs> the spaghetti nudes <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> but to clarify for folks who might not 
two two things that I think people might like may or may not be aware of or know what that means. Like so, exactly active versus spaghetti. passive pickups. Oh, I thought you were wondering how much spaghetti <laughs> is in my bases. None. <laughs> we're gonna talk about that next. Okay. <laughs> active versus uh, passive. So yeah. So active versus passive. And then parametric. So parametric just means that it's like most EQs you are cutting, oh, but a parametric allows you to. Yeah, or to how boost. do you want to explain? It? I guess. I mean, I guess I'm just thinking about. Boost. Yeah. Uh, so you can. I'm, you know, I might have said the wrong EQ word. I can't remember. I don't but, know. That's okay. All all I'm talking about is uh, you pull up GarageBand or. Whatever. I just want to talk about spaghetti for the rest of this conversation. <laughs> so sorry. But how does that's this, what we're doing? This is strictly a pasta conversation. <laughs> I don't know. There's a shell somewhere. <laughs> so active versus passive. Let's just go there first. So an active base. So active can mean two different things. Sometimes people get this confused. It could mean that your pickups require a, a battery. So when sometimes people mm-hmm. say they have an active base, they literally just mean there's a battery in there and without which their pickups will not work. I prefer mm-hmm. or until I hear otherwise, currently, because <laughs> you have to keep evolving, I, I, I prefer passive pickups. So when I say my bases are active, mm-hmm. I just mean that there is a preamp in it that takes a battery. So, and the preamp itself yes. can be bypassed, so you get both, both active and passive. Um, so when the battery dies, your base doesn't die, which is the nice thing about passive pickups with that's the active nice thing. EQ. I, I, I think that's helpful for yeah. folks... Who don't know? Because I yeah. think that can that can get, get a little dicey. But yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's yeah, but it's cool because you are able to have a lot more control over your, your tone at your fingertips with those betas. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the whole point, right? Because yeah. you're you're able to adjust it right there, and also each song can kind of come, call for something slightly different. But you can dial it in mm-hmm. without running to your amp. I mean, I think I think amps sound yep. best when you get or anything amp whatever recording as long as your instrument you get that sounding great and then the other stuff happens so it's just another tool in your yep. in your toolbox or whatever to yeah yep. you know you got that spaghetti just perfect and then everything else is just sauce right <laughs> i mean that is literally what they say <laughs> all right i'm done i'm done with that i uh, i think, <laughs> I think I re- I i'm just that. tired yeah. of people saying that all the time <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I love this. All right. Perfect. I have a question about what, so I guess there's, you know, we're about the same age. I feel like for a long time in the nineties, especially there was this thing about like women in bass, whereas like all the bands had that had like women in them had, they were all bass players. Yeah. As someone who is now building bass, does, I don't know if you have like particular thoughts about that. I don't know. Oh, I don't know that. What the thoughts are. I kind of now I'm going to be thinking about that a lot more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I, mean, I don't know. I think about it a lot. I, mean, I feel like it was. I think Sorry, there's a certain personality type that is drawn to playing bass. I mean, and that's also part of why I, I kind of focus on basses is because then you can choose your clients, right? If you're making electric basses, you're going to be pretty much dealing with electric mm. bassists. Mm. <laughs> yes. uh, and those <laughs> uh, those people are, are some of my absolute favorite people. Uh, and the, just the personality behind, like, choosing that instrument and enjoying that instrument. And, like, you know, it's like kind of a, you really need to know your, your, to be a very good bass player, you have to know more about music than most of the band. That's why a lot of bass players are musical directors mm-hmm. also. You don't have mm-hmm. to. 
anyone can play bass, etc. But oftentimes, the most musically knowledgeable person in the band is the bass player. But then they, mm-hmm. they're also the person that, you know, after the gig, everyone's talking to the guitar player and like, ooh, that solo. <laughs> but right. like, the solo wouldn't have sounded good <laughs> at all or made any sense or had any context for the rest of the song if the mm-hmm. bass player wasn't making, you know, putting that foundation there, you know? Like hitting all yeah. the notes. that bringing like, it all together. Exactly, exactly. So like, I don't know what I'm saying about uh, female bassists, but I'm just saying maybe awesomeness. <laughs> I yes, I th- I support it one hundred percent. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cool. I like that. I like that. That's that's a good angle. So, <laughs> I want to switch gears for a second, bring us into a bit of a conversation more around like gender and identities and mm-hmm. gear. Is that cool? Sure. Cool. So so as far as like your personal experiences related to gender identities and gear are there like particular areas where that's come up more for you or less or things things that you've observed over the years i mean it's most of my experiences are just from working at guitar shops more so than than visiting mm-hmm. them so honestly like yeah haven't really been to i don't really go to guitar shops unless it's yeah. a work or to like visit a friend and i don't know so i feel like i can't tell if things well, first of all, I feel like I've been doing this for 20 years and to a certain point I'm a little bit like, I have a lot of repressed <laughs> experiences that like, <laughs> ah, you know, like I, that was terrible. Let's move on. Kind of like, oof. <laughs> right. Don't want to have to dwell in this. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to keep doing it if you, if you, if you dwell on the bad time and unfortunately there's a lot of them all the time, mm-hmm. but they're not all, you know, it, it's. Yeah, it's really hard. It would be very hard for me to keep working in guitar shops and dealing with customers if I like held on to a lot. <laughs> so, and there's a lot, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, Do you there... have a way of like of purposefully not tr- like holding on to things like that? It's hard because you want to like pick your battles too. You know, like there's there's a yeah. If it's a work environment, right? You can you can ask people to not as much as you can ask them to not. The unfortunate thing is you can't yeah. ask them to figure out why, <laughs> which is, is the most frustrating. It's like, you know, right. especially if you're, if you're just an employee and even as, as, as a manager, you know, you, you can say like, you can't do that and that's not okay, but mm-hmm. you can't say like, please read this book. <laughs> you can. <laughs> But are they going to read the book? Are they going to actually take away from it what they should? Like, I don't know. You can't. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, but the problem is when, you know, if you if you're like, you can tell them to not and tell them to not. But if you don't get to the why, yeah, you might the, just have to keep telling them not. <laughs> the why is the most important, <laughs> you know? especially especially if you're you're like, OK, this is not acceptable. But it's like a whack-a-mole situation mm-hmm. because yeah, okay, that's unacceptable, but, like, that's not cool either, <laughs> you know? And, and if mm-hmm, you're... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're in a, in a work environment where, like, you know, you're, in tr- you're not... You're, you're only... You're trying to make everything okay, but you can only control so much, right? So you can whack them all you want, mm-hmm. but the situation doesn't change. But that's... I don't know. That's part of why I'm really excited to have my own shop, you know? And, like, have yeah. a, a fresh start at, like 
okay, <laughs> I can look in the mirror and know that that's something I should, like, you get better and you change and learn more about these topics and make sure you're, you know, treating everyone as they, they should be treated and then also listening to them and thinking about your actions and how that might affect them, even if you don't have the same shared life experience, like, I could do that. It's kind of nice to, to mm-hmm. work in a shop yep. where, where uh, yeah. like, right now it's me and my dog. <laughs> But we we both are very, you know, you can tell that dog to not, but (laughs) no, she, she understands. (laughs) She's going to read a book. It's fine. She, she will, she'll ask me to kindly read it for her. The thumbs. That's the only reason. (laughs) Just needs thumbs. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool because, (laughs) because you, yeah, it's like you're responsible for you. You create the culture. Exactly. You're your systems. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm excited to, you know, when the day comes where I can take on another employee or whatever and just have have that be have this be a space for someone to come in and be able to I don't know, have have you always want to set everyone up for success as much as you can, right? So it'd be cool to have someone be yeah. able to come to work here and never think about having to say not. Like don't oh, don't say that. Would be amazing. So I hope, mm-hmm. hope one day to have the opportunity yeah. to do that for someone. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I hope that for you too, and for that Thanks. potential employee because that sounds like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I know you're not like going into shops or whatever, but are like, do you have like any like like best experiences buying? gear or worst experiences any particular stories that you maybe have around those that like things that went really well or really poorly no but i feel like i don't know let's see what's a good i can't tell if sometimes i've I've been getting a good or i've been having a better experience at shops because i've had so much practice being like i don't know dealing with customers on the other side of like so the other side of the Mm -hmm. guitar shop you know the the bros (laughs) i used to have a little sticker at my my workbench that said hey bro this is not a bro shop and it's like (laughs) like no um so like dealing with the bros and like having their attitude projected on me and i've gotten a very good uh like response to it where i kind of reflect and i'm super knowledgeable and like i can't i think i turn that on instinctively so if i've gone to a shop or have had an interaction Mm -hmm. to a shop i I probably start with like more knowledge than I should in the question, you know, to prove, which is yeah. not the greatest feeling to have to do. Yeah. Thing yeah. You have it's to like, do. you're going to throw out some really specific, yeah. Throw out this like really specific word that like signals exactly. whatever, like which sucks. that you know what like, you're I talking don't, about. Yeah. You shouldn't have to do that as like, so I can't tell if things have been more positive because I already have this like, tough exterior of knowledge <laughs> got my, ner- my knowledge shell on but <laughs> knowledge shell. that's that's uh if i gotta do like a teenage mutant ninja turtle spinoff <laughs> of some kind <laughs> oh my god this is i i dream of this yes we're gonna we're gonna make some sort of like sticker that's got like you know knowledge knowledge, knowledge and shell, shell and a, yeah. you know you know <laughs> <laughs> someone please make this tote bag it's all I want. yes just send uh, us one each and uh, you can you can take the rest <laughs> that's amazing but yeah i mean it's like it's almost like you're like preventatively mansplaining oh well, yeah you can't you know mansplain because i've already done it 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what I do. I'm a it's a very it all. Ugh. Which is another t-shirt or tote bag. Yes. It's all. <laughs> wow. It's like the merch is just making itself here. But I think it's like I'm trying to like work this out in my brain a little bit about like how it works because I do think there's because you know obviously people are engaging in that behavior to demonstrate power via knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it's like you have to sort of like come at them there before they take this like societal cue about what their expectation is and like lay it on top of that experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Huh. I don't know. It's 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 like Splinter comes in and Splinter's, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to keep going with this. It's coming back. Just (laughs) (laughs) thank you. And have you noticed, like, how these experiences are similar or different in, like, as a musician out there in the world playing, like, shows and things like that versus, like, your experience as a luthier in the luthier world related to gender and, like, identities more broadly? Oh, yeah. I mean, the assumption, there's at least, like, I'm pretty good at uh, demonstrating, like, doing doing my, putting on the knowledge shell, especially if I've got, a, you know, a client who comes in, yeah. their first, I know, the... the the constant thing I used to get on the phone before I started putting on my, you know, just starting with all the, the buzzwords and the facts real fast, I would get, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, could I talk to one of the guys? If I were to say something, you know, I'd be like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 here's your answer. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, cool, yeah, can I talk to one of the guys? Ah, mm-hmm. I taught those guys how to build yeah. bases, you know? <sighs> yeah, is, are, is swearing, yeah, swearing is okay. Fuck off, I taught those guys how Swearing's to build okay. bases. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's highly frustrating yeah yes like i literally would be like training someone yet they had more you know their opinions were more valuable the worst is like you know they would yeah. ask somebody something like a you know directly talk to like my, a male colleague or something and that dude wouldn't know the answer he'd have to ask me <laughs> so it's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, i was i guess i was asking generally about like how like if you see these issues show up more or differently oh, in, in luthier stuff versus yeah. like as a musician i mean as a musician i guess that's what i was getting at is that i don't know a knowledge shell for that like i don't have a um a shield of smartness to put up against someone who sees someone they perceive as female on a stage and and then therefore thinks their music has less value i don't know what to do about that yeah 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 but also like i mm-hmm. don't know I'm fine with you not liking my stuff because I don't really like you. (laughs) (laughs) And scene. Yes. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess I, I, as a person who doesn't have a ton of like music theory knowledge or, you know, I can't like talk the talk as far as that's concerned. I'm like, I guess the equivalent would be like, well, I'll tell you about the, you know, like I thought you were supposed to be using Phrygian, but you're using Mixolydian (laughs) or whatever. I I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I could see it working the same way though. I feel like the hard part is the the instant impression and then the, yeah. They're not even conscious bias against I see you in this way and therefore I don't value you as equal, yeah. which is, I don't. Yeah. I yeah. Don't I mean, it's, it's the, it's pre- it's, once again, it's like, yeah, you have to address it. It's like, you don't have a, it, you can use the preventative technique or whatever, or the knowledge yeah. shell or whatever. But if you, it, it's, 
if they already see you and they have this preconception, it's already too late to some degree. You're just exactly. fighting that at that point. Exactly. That's just, um, I don't know. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Sucks. For, for folks who might want to get more into repairs or luthier work or anything like that, is there a good place that you would recommend folks start? That's a good question. I mean, I used to always tell people to read a book, but I feel like there's so much on YouTube uh, you could probably start there, mm-hmm. but the problem mm-hmm. is there's a lot of, there's so much on YouTube. So you're not getting always the best information. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who, you know, like I had, uh, someone come to me and, and say, okay, I'm going to build a guitar. And I said, okay, cool. I will help you out after hours. Like there's someone who was working with me, uh, at the guitar shop and they, you know, I forget. By the way, they hadn't yet built their first guitar, but they landed the job. Good for them. <laughs> but they, uh, they were like, I want to I build a guitar. And I was like, yeah, you should. You work at a guitar shop. You have all this at your fingertips. Let's do this. And he's like, yeah. I'd really appreciate you to guide me. What should I do first? And I told him, read a book. Eh, it didn't work. And he's like, can I just find something on YouTube? And I was so surprised when he like sent me something. Like, I'm just going to follow this. Not accurate, not great information in my opinion. And then I tried to find information Uh-oh. like... Yeah, I tried to find him a YouTube that I thought was, this is a, a good one to follow. It's very hard. So I guess I would say, huh, still read a book a little bit and then dive into YouTube and dive into uh, different like web forums. But I feel like they all have, there's so much, mis- like there's so many, there's a lot of opinions. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. hard. I guess yes. I, I think I might <laughs> stick with my original answer. What, which book would you recommend? Oh, you? gosh. <laughs> That's a hard one, too. I, the book that I always yeah. recommend. Like, I've recommended this book all the time to people because it's the one that I used to build that uh, first guitar on the, on the kitchen table. Or, or I kept looking at that. And, I, and mm-hmm. I came back to it a bunch, too, when I was first designing. Come up with different concepts and, and make them into instruments. And, like, what am I doing? I don't understand so much. What, and, like, you can kind of flip through this book and find a little bit of an explanation on almost... Mm-hmm. any kind of electric guitar building technique. I feel like it's called like how to make an electric guitar bass or something like that by Melvin Hiscock. All right. Melvin Hiscock. All right. Yeah. I will link that in the show notes. So I guess if we're kind of ramping down here, uh, if you were speaking to folks in the industry, in the music industry, it could be like the gear industry, other bands, whomever, like let's say somebody came to you and they were asking you for your opinion on how, like how to make the music gear industry better what would you tell them to do like better with regard to folks treatment um inclusivity etc well i don't know i guess what i wish i could tell or what what i wish people would do rather than ask that question and that's a fine question to ask and i I guess that's maybe where people would start and that's a fine place to start but i think that is to really think about how someone else would feel if or how like if i if this is what I'm choosing to, to put out into the world, how other people feel when they get interact, like, you know, when they get hit with whatever that is, like if it's a weird ad Mm -hmm. that like, why is that lady holding the guitar like that? You know, (laughs) or like, ah, it's kind of questionable. I can't point out exactly like, but come on, man. Like, yeah. Or I don't know, without getting into specifics and calling one out, but it's just like, think about, how other people feel. Just try to. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, no, uh, 100%. And, and also yes. just recognize <laughs> that, that you've gotten to wander through the world without thinking about that. And it's okay. It's, it's hard to have to think about it all the time and to be the person that's like, totally. ah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But just do it for like a half hour. Maybe, maybe do it like practice, you know, start with five minutes, work your way up. <laughs> <laughs> build your tolerance for being yeah. uncomfortable with your privilege. Exactly. Please, please build your tolerance <laughs> and then maybe it'll become a habit. Uh, and then maybe you can, you can figure out how to make your guitar shop or wherever, you know, more inclusive because you can understand it. Cause I can't give you a simple answer cause there's not a simple answer. Cause it's, it's like the yeah. whack-a-mole thing we were talking about earlier, you know, like, Oh, do this, mm -hmm. but that isn't always going to work. And then five years from now, maybe that's totally not going to be working because people and society should keep evolving and understanding each other better and better and keep, you know, there's not an answer is, is I guess my answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like you can tell the people like what they shouldn't say or what microaggressions are harmful or whatever yeah. all day long. But if but those things if they might don't understand change why. and like you you can't list them all. No, <laughs> like you no. just have to be able to like do the perspective taking empathy stuff. Yeah. To get yeah. to exactly like you're saying, like and be open to there. hearing other people because that's the other thing is is you know yes you're asking right. me this and I have been asked this before but it's it's by somebody who doesn't necessarily want to listen either. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. not always, but it, it feels like okay, like you don't want to put any time into this to figure it out yourself. You want me to just give you the answer, right? Right, right, oh. right. Yeah, with the knowing that it might change and that like yeah. You're not, you're not going to know that for every identity that ever existed. And exactly. You should yeah. build your empathy mm -hmm. muscles and, and work on it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's my advice. Build your empathy totally. muscles, you weak link. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the empathy gym. Yes. <laughs> you know, do some presses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is great. Oh my God. All right. So what are you psyched about working on right now? Is there, is there anything coming up for you that you're, you want to tell people about or? I am. So this past, so I moved to Portland three months ago and have been really kind of immersed in today at my shop, but now I'm starting to get back to design and like coming up with some new ideas. Something cool. that I'm playing around with is shorter scales, but not too short. Kind of finding the happy medium between mm -hmm. what I think the, the, what I can understand or hear as my favorite timbre of the strings without, mm -hmm. without staying long. Cause uh, not everyone's, you know, four finger, you know, the, the spread or whatever can, is the same. Yeah. So I, I want to be able to make instruments that more people feel comfortable on. And also, you know, maybe sometimes you don't have to work so hard. It's a little bit shorter. No, no shame in that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And then playing around <laughs> with like the six string idea too. Cause I really do uh, like the musicality of, you know, it's, it's not, it's just like the, uh, it's like certain guitar patterns. It's not great for every application, but it's fun to have it. Mm -hmm. It's fun to have it on tap. And yeah. 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 It's available and ready for, for use if need be. Exactly. Yeah. In case so, you got a, a you know six string emergency, I mean, <laughs> I'd love to go to Figure one of those. Yeah, <laughs> got, a, got a six string nine one one over here. Um, <laughs> all right, 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. Closing up shop here. So how can listeners stay in contact with you or hear more about you and your fabulous bases? Well, I think the best way would be to follow me on Instagram. Um, That's something I update the most. I do have a mailing Mm -hmm. list you can sign up for on my website. Uh, So the Instagram is lehguitars or at leh. And uh, weirdly enough, my website is lehguitars.com. Yeah, that's about all I've got so far. I also have an email. If you guys have a big question, you can email me at lehguitars at gmail. And uh, happy to help any of your listeners out with a weird tone thing or a question about, I might want to be a guitar maker. That would be amazing. I would love to help you out. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for being so generous with your email. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. (laughs) No, it's great. I love it. I'm very excited. And hopefully you get some good questions. And yeah, so this has been amazing. I'm excited about turtles. I'm excited about pasta. There's just (laughs) so much to give, really. Knowledge shells. I don't know. I could talk about that all day. Uh, (laughs) Well, thank you so much for for joining me today. This has been really fun. Thank you. All right, cool. We'll talk soon, I hope. Thanks so much to Ellis for joining me. That was really just such a fun conversation to listen back to. And it got pretty hilarious there a few times. Good stuff, really good points. And, you know, check out the show notes for all of Ellis's info. You should probably just go to, to their website, Instagram, etc. Today, right now. Not Maybe not if you're driving, but, but go and do it. <laughs> all right. So running a small business is a lot of work. You probably know that. You know, there are often too few people doing too much work in the, in the case of many small businesses, and it can be a lot for everyone. Everyone's running around. They're playing catch up most of the time, especially during COVID with people out, uh, you know, folks changing careers, low supply chains. Companies are basically just like stretched and stretched and stretched like in this way that maybe they weren't even before. And, you know, that kind of day-to-day experience, it's hard to take time for the bigger picture or, you know, what can seem like a less immediate issue, you know, even though it might not be. And it's easy to push things off that become, you know, that, that because you're, you're just so caught up with whatever like the most immediate emergency is, the fire burning right in front of you, right? And I know because I ran a small business, well, technically it was a nonprofit, but I think it still applies. And even as like a big picture person, I still had that problem. It's like you have to deal with this thing that's happening right now all the time. And when it comes to doing the things that I knew our board and our board knew that we needed to do to increase the diversity of our instructors and, you know, make sure our curriculum was reflective of what people of color wanted and needed, it often got pushed off for another day and, you know, another day, another day. And, you know, until some magical day when we felt like we had enough staff and enough time and enough money, which, you know, due to capitalism, let's be real, we would probably never have felt like that's just not how it works. You know, until finally, it sort of blew up in our faces with our volunteers demanding that we, you know, address it right now. So that became the thing that we had to deal with. And it was, wasn't a call out, but a very serious call in. And I've talked about this here and there on the podcast and on Instagram before, but a lot of the things that I know I've learned from that experience, it was, you know, it was really important 
And I think that, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, we had every intention of doing those things. We talked about it for years um, and we really thought we were going to. But, you know, most of myself, most of us, myself included, you know, we had lots of anti-racist training. We knew it theoretically and we all knew that we wanted to do it. But the intention, you know, the intention was there, but intention isn't the same as action. And I see this frequently now, like companies really want to have a more diverse staff. They really want to have better representation. They really want to be, you know, more intentional around their space and, you know, train their employees, but they keep pushing it off until that magical day when they feel like they've, you know, have enough staff and enough time and enough money, or in some cases until they are called out, unfortunately, by their customers, employee, or, you know, their, the community in general. And, you know, we were lucky enough to have goodwill and trust built up that allowed us to better make that change through the process without like making this a whole big external issue. But we didn't do everything all at once immediately. We did make a lot of changes pretty quickly. So we, we didn't, unfortunately, you know, we can't do everything right away, but we really did do some things very quickly um, to make make real change. And we had real tangible plans for what that would look like in the future. We didn't, you know, do it all right. Um, and we'd made mistakes along the way. But, you know, there was real intentional action happening. And, you know, the organization still exists today and is much, much stronger for it. And, you know, it's still changing for the better. And I, I stepped down three years ago now, probably two years after that happened. And, you know, after 10 years there, that change and that process is still the thing that I'm most proud of in my work there. And, you know, I'm mentioning this because I know a lot of companies have these positive intentions, right? But pushing off the work can come back to bite them. And, you know, the longer they wait to make change, the harder it becomes because the systems that led to the change are all the more ingrained, you know, right? It's just going to become more entrenched. And, you know, the negative impact of this is huge, but the positive can be as well. So conversations and work to make music spaces more inclusive, you know, th these aren't going away. The demands from customers and employees are only going to grow stronger. I think we're, that's pretty clear. So the sooner that you can live out your positive intentions, the better off your company will be, right? All right. If you enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. And if you want to support, check out the show notes. There's a link to Reverb. And if you use it for your next gear purchase, a little cut will come this way. And it helps to keep the show running. And I really appreciate it. So thanks so much for listening.